Hello, hello, and welcome to the third take of today's episode of Saddest Nights Out. My name is Roy, and I'm the host of this daily podcast. It's Saturday, the 14th of November, and listening on Spotify right now, we have got... This is a small feature where I look at the people I follow on Spotify and read out what they're listening to right now. Christina Einver Pasqualini is listening to Sunshine by Rancor. Marcus Harris is listening to Fingertips by the Brian Jonestown Massacre. Mitzi Galvez is listening to No One featuring Thelma Plum by Golden Features. And Ari Ugal is listening to Into the Black by Chromatics. Tony Lee is listening to Stay Ugly by Crimes, spelled C-R-I-M-3-S. I don't know who any of these people are except for Marcus Harris. I can't remember how I ended up following these people on Spotify. But it is kind of cool to be able to see what people are listening to in real time. I hope you don't mind me doing that at the start of these episodes. From yesterday's episode about LCD sound system, I hope you got something for my 40-minute ramble. It really wasn't meant to be 40 minutes, but I found a YouTube video by the channel called Middle 8. They have a video called, I think it's called LCD Sound System, The James Murphy Story. My whole 40-minute aimless rambling, they've got it boiled down to a succinct 8 minutes or so, and it actually tells the detailed story of LCD Sound System and James Murphy. So if you couldn't quite sit through all 40 minutes of me, maybe you'll enjoy the eight-minute video that they have made. But after recording my 40-minute ramble, even though I added a little bit on the end, I still couldn't think of a satisfying way to sum up the video. That's one thing about YouTube video essays. Whoever is narrating them almost always ends their sentences like this. As if every sentence they say is a bit of a detective gotcha. Like, but what you didn't think about is what I'm saying now. And I wanted to have a, a final sentence that kind of hits that type of beat. I thought I got something similar with the Block Party episode when I said there were a lot of other artists that helped me hone and define what I wanted to do with the guitar, but Block Party made me want to pick up a guitar in the first place. And I think now, a day later, I figured out the sentence I wanted to use to end the LCD sound system episode. And it is that LCD sound system, as far as the wider public is concerned, started with the song Losing My Edge. And when you first hear that song and when it was first made, it sounds like a lamentation. It's almost a cry for help. It's fear about the fact that you are losing the thing you use to define yourself. It's been taken over by someone else. What value do you have now? You no longer have a unique selling point because someone else is doing it and they're younger and cooler and better than you are. You are losing that which makes you stand out. You are losing your edge. And when you think about it, for James Murphy to create all that he did with DFA and LCD sound system, he had to lose his edge. He had to let go of this idea that he was this one thing that someone else is now going to take from him. And he had to realise that you can't cling to artificial measures of your self-worth. You have to be able to just accept who you are and pursue that with your whole heart and only then will you arrive at where you're meant to be if you're forever trying to stick to certain things because you think you're supposed to there'll always be that chip on your shoulder and if you really want to achieve i don't know i'm going with this i'm not a self-help guru but he blurred the lines of what he was about his music blurred genre lines as well and in the end i feel like losing my edge has gone from a lamentation to a celebration. We should all be so lucky to lose our edge. Man, that sounded way more impactful in my head, but hopefully 
you're sitting there thinking, oh, wow, he really nailed that one. And if not, keep it to yourself. Anyway, think <laughs> on Twitter, the folks from the 1975, in their kind words that they said to me, sorry, the folks from the 1975 podcast, in the kind words that they said about my podcast, particularly the Block Party episode, they mentioned a bunch of other debut albums that they really enjoyed. I added a few to that list. And then it made me think about the debut albums that I have enjoyed just in general. And in the style of Losing My Edge, where at the end of the song, James Murphy just lists a bunch of band names because throughout the song, he's getting more and more almost petrified of the idea that all the hard work he puts into gaining such an esoteric knowledge of music is meaningless now. So all he has left is just flinging the names of obscure artists at you to prove that, hey, see, my taste is still cool, therefore I'm still worth something. So in a similar fashion, although my taste is nowhere near as cool, I thought I'd just go through a whole bunch of debut artists whose debut albums that I'm just coming from memory here, I really enjoyed when they came out, I came to them later, and they all pretty much were released after the year 2000. I think there is plenty of media out there about great albums, debuts, artists, etc. from before the year 2000, so I want to shine a light on the ones that meant something to me. Quite a few of these were most likely ones that I listened to as they came out as well, which always has that much more impact to you, I think, rather than discovering a debut album years afterwards. If you are aware of the artist when it comes out, it hits different. Anyway, I'm just going to read out a whole bunch of artists. Maybe I'll say a word or two about some of them. And maybe you'll judge me about my taste in music, but please judge quietly, okay? This is my place to say whatever it is I want to say. And right now, what I'm going to say is that Dizzy Rascal's debut album, Boy in the Corner, was a real landmark, a real totem in the music scene. I remember it won the Mercury Music Prize. Boy in the... Not Boy in the Corner. Uh, Fix Up Look Sharp was inescapable. And I gather, for me, I was very young, so I just enjoyed the beat of Fix Up, Look Sharp, and I Love You sounded like a ringtone. But I think in the wider scene, rap music, hip-hop music with a British accent hadn't hit as hard in the mainstream as when Dizzy Rascal arrived. And he was, I think, what, 17, 18 when he made it? Incredible. Craig David, I believe his debut album is called Born to Do It. The podcast 2020 recently did an episode about it. And say what you will about him now, or maybe about 10 years ago, when he seemed to be a little bit of a, the butt of the joke, particularly with that TV show, Bo Selector, which had a caricature of, him, of Craig David. But at the time, fill me in, seven days, I'm walking away. Undeniable bangers. He had the Midas touch. Moving swiftly on, Maroon 5, which I think is the first debut album first debut album that I bought. I'm not even sure if it's their debut, because I think they were a bit more of a rock rock band before they released this album. I don't know. But Maroon 5, Songs About Jane. This Love, I'll fight anyone who tries to say thumbs down to that song, because, oh, oh, oh man, that song was it. Moving swiftly on, Block Party, who I've mentioned before. I might just have to read out some names here, otherwise we'll be here for another 40 minutes. And I promise... This won't be another ridiculously long episode. Although, do you like my longer episodes? Is it better if I go on for a while? I just read an article that said Spotify is very much going to lean more towards shorter podcast episodes or short podcasts that have shorter episodes because they can put your episodes in playlists with songs. So they might play you three songs and then a three, four minute episode of a podcast, three more songs and so on. But what do you think? Do you like my shorter episodes, my longer episodes? Do you not really mind? Anyway, moving swiftly on. Yeah, I'll just try and burn through some names here. So Block Party, The Strokes, Interpol, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are scientists. That song in particular with Love and that album in particular with Love and Squalor, which starts with Nobody Move, Nobody Get Hurt. That riff very much played a big part in me learning how to play the guitar in the first place. Super simple. Put some distortion on your guitar and you, you've only been playing for like half an hour and you already feel like a rock star. That was We Are Scientists with Nobody Move, Nobody Get Hurt. The Subways, Be My Little Rock and Roll Queen. Absolute classic. Klaxons, very much derided now for the whole new rave title. But at the time, we were loving it. I think in my school at the time, we found a keyboard that had the sound effects for Atlantis to Interzinc, which went like, oh, oh, oh. I can't remember how it went now, but the sound effects from that song, we found a keyboard in school that had the same sound effects. That was a big deal. Crystal Castles, that was such a eye-opening album for me. I wasn't really familiar with that type of sound before, and that one really left an impact. No, where was I now? The Night's Game, an artist I was introduced to by that 1975 podcast, Arctic Monkeys, kind of speaks for itself. I think when it was released, it was the fastest-selling debut album since Oasis. And I was in a band at the time, and there was the music we wrote before that album and the music we wrote after that album. Arcade Fire, Justin Timberlake. Yeah, you know what? Justified, it it did what it needed to do. It did the business. I think it was the first time in my generation that an artist had gone from being in what felt like a cheesy boy band to a more credible solo artist. Timberland, Timberland and Pharrell Williams. Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. Where was I? Rina Sawayama, her debut album came out this year and it feels like that scene in 2001 A Space Odyssey where the astronaut just goes through the furthest reaches of space and has all these crazy lights flashing across their face. That's what listening to this album feels like. Nilifa Yanya, whose debut I think came out last year. Justice, Phoenix, uh, Kavinsky, bit of a French... French, uh, I don't know what to call it, but yeah, fr- albums from people who are from France. Justice powerful live phoenix i th- always feel that there's i know i might do an episode on phoenix separately so i'll get back to that another time kavinsky outrun oh ho, 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 ho. that is an album right there also night call for the opening credits for drive one of the greatest cinematic moments of the 21st century there i said it you can quote me on that uh tovlo test icicles watch the throne which was kanye west and jay-z the killers definitely need to do an, an episode on that Everything, Everything, Twin Shadow, and Sleigh Bells all released debut albums in the same year. I cannot remember what that year was. Yeah, I've got Google here, but I don't feel like searching for it. Fine, I'll search for it to see what year it came out. Who should I search for? Twin Shadow. Bum, bum, bum. I should just search on Spotify for Twin Shadow. You see what you're doing now? You're making me do all kinds of typing and clicking and stuff. I'm just trying to get into a flow here. Don't worry, I definitely, definitely won't be here for another half an hour. And take up all of your Saturday. I doubt any of you are listening to this on Saturday, actually. You probably all have lives. 2010 is when those albums came out. That was the, that was Everything Everything, which was... Their album's called Man Alive. Twin Shadows' album is called Forget. And Sleigh Bells, was it self-titled? Fun fact, that episode I did about seeing the Big Pink and the XX at the Cockpit in Leeds, I saw Sleigh Bells at the Cockpit in Leeds. I need to do an episode on the Cockpit in Leeds because... That venue, may she rest in peace, was something special. Sleigh Bells, their debut album was called Treats. And it starts with one of the best opening songs to an album I've ever heard. Keeping moving swiftly, Coldplay. Yeah, you know what, that first album, especially the song Everything's Not Lost, which I think was on an episode of Scrubs. The song Don't Don't Panic, which was on the movie Garden State, which was another movie that really left an impact on me at the time. 
Franz Ferdinand, Stormzy, James Blunt. Yeah, I said James Blunt. Libertines, TV on the radio, Wild Nothing, Panic at the Disco, Ross Reznor, which is what I call Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor. Technically, I think they've worked together for quite a while, but I consider their soundtrack for The Social Network their first soundtrack they did together, so I'm calling it a debut album, okay? It's my podcast, it's my rules. LCD Sound System, of course, Sky Ferreira, Vampire Weekend, Lord, James did I write James Blunt twice? <laughs> what can I say? I heart James Blunt, okay? Fight me. Fontaine's DC, The Horrors, Friendly Fires, CSS, The 1975, Jose Gonzalez. That cover, of, his cover of Teardrops by Massive Attack, outstanding. The song Crosses is fantastic. And then his cover of the song by The Knife, which escapes me. Is it called Heartbeats? Maybe. But it was on that Sony advert where all the coloured bouncing balls went down the street. Magical stuff. Where was I? Uh, Death Grips, The Money Store. Ah, ha, ha. That album is just a punch in the face for about 30 minutes. But a punch in the face that you're happy to receive repeatedly. Jay Paul, not technically his debut album. It was a bunch of demos that leaked and then he officially released them. But it still slaps harder than a lot of albums out there. Tom Veck, who recently released a new album. Thank you, Phil, for turning me on to that. His debut album was very influential for me. And I think it was Phil who introduced me to him in the first place. Lana Del Rey, The XX, Usher. You make me want to be the one I'm with. Start a new relationship with you. This is what you do. Oh, man. That was real. I don't even know what year that came out. Let's try and find that out as well. But I was definitely a kid when that came out. And that's one of those albums. That's one of those songs that just captivated me so much that I had to hear the album even then when I was very young. And that video in particular for You Make Me Wanna. There's that weird part towards the end of the of the video where... Wait, what's that? Yeah, My Way was the album. And You Make Me Wanna is track one. And 1997 is when it came out. So I would have been all of... Carry the One, Soul for X, Eight. I'm very embarrassed it took me that long to realise that. But yeah, You Make Me Wanna, hell of a song. Where was I? Uh, is that all of them? I don't think I mentioned Billy Franz Ferdinand. don't think I mentioned Billy Eilish. What I should have done, if I was smart, was read this list in a particular order so that I would know what I have said and what I haven't said. But as you may have learned by now, we're not very smart on this show. But just to go back through them in case I missed any. Dizzy Rascal, Craig David, Maroon 5, The Night Game, Block Party, Arctic Monkeys, The Strokes, Arcade Fire, Interpol, Justin Timberlake, Yeah Yeah Yes, We Are Scientists, The Subways, Rina Sawayama, Klaxons, Nilfa Yanya, Crystal Castles, Ross Reznor, Justice, sorry, Justice, Panic at the Disco, I jammed in with it. Phoenix, Wild Nothing, Tovlo, Test Icicles, TV on the Radio, Kavinsky, Libertines, Watch the Throne, James Blunt, The Killers, Stormzy, Everything Everything, Twin Shadow, Franz Ferdinand, Sleigh Bells, The Weekend, Coldplay, Sky Ferreira, LCD Sound System, Vampire Weekend, Lord, James Blunt, Fontaine's DC, The Horrors. I remember wanting to see them at Reading Festival, I got there with my friend Felix, who's been on this show, but I can't for the life of me remember which episode Felix was on. But we went to see the, the horrors, and they'd already finished because their set lasted about 15 minutes. That was the horrors. I think they're still going. Friendly Fires, CSS, The 1975, Jose Gonzalez, Death Grips, J. Paul, Tom Veck, The Virgins. That is a band that no longer exists. That felt like a band who were, who were very much being pushed to jump on the New York wave. 
I don't think they were very successful in jumping on that wave, but I quite enjoyed their songs. I actually, I think I prefer their second album, which I don't think was anywhere near as popular as their first, but it's worth listening to. Lana Del Rey, The XX, and Usher, and the one I've written down that I haven't mentioned yet is Billie Eilish, because I think her album is the most recent debut to be an absolute blockbuster. I mean, it won all of the top four Grammys at last year's Grammy ceremony. Last year's? Earlier this year? It's been a weird year. I think it was this year. It was this year. And I am very excited to see what will be the next debut album to really make a splash. I think some have already that I've mentioned. Rina Sawayama, I think, is probably the most notable one released this year that I... Oh, Barty Strange. How did I mess that one out? Barty Strange has an album called Live Forever. That was his debut this year. Barty Strange and Rina Sawayama are two artists whose debuts came out this year and I heartily expect to see them on best of lists for the year 2020. I think Billie Eilish's was the last real blockbuster superstar album. I think, oh, what is his name? Vampire is the name of his latest single. He was very much hyped up and one of the lines used to hype him up was the fact that Billie Eilish really liked him and said, however big he is, he should be bigger. I know I'm padding for time here and just talking as I furiously try and find that Dominic Fike. I think he's an artist who the record industry was hoping would somewhat replicate the success of Billie Eilish. I don't think he did. I don't know if anyone could, to be honest. And I think he is going to reveal himself as an artist you want to watch over time rather than a blockbuster debut album that sweeps the the charts, sweeps the nation, etc. But definitely someone worth checking out. Yeah, whole bunch of albums there. I'm a little embarrassed that I wrote James Blunt twice. <laughs> I have no defense for that. I don't think I have a favorite among them all. I am very aware the direction in which this skews, which is basically very basic indie rock. But hey, I guess that's who I am. However, today's song is an artist that I am very excited to hear a debut album from because they're absolutely amazing. They are recently signed to Fueled by Ramen and they are Meet Me at the Altar. Fueled by Ramen is, yeah, they, they themselves say that they are heavily inspired by artists that were signed to Fueled by Ramen, particularly Paramore, and their most recent single, Garden, is a really strong testament to that. I binged all of the songs they have on their Spotify. I think there's maybe eight or nine in total. There's, I think, a couple of EPs and some odd singles here and there. No complete album yet. But if you listen through what they've put out so far, you can tell that Garden is perhaps more professionally produced, but songwriting-wise, the chops, the skills, the, the absolute know-how has been there from the start. Oh, just had a little bit of a mind blank there. But yes, meet me at the altar. That's meet me at, as in email address, at the altar. And the song is called Garden. It's a joy from start to finish. The video equally so. And some much needed, much lacked representation on the pop punk scene. They are one of those, I think is, they are an all-female band. And they have a black female singer which is not a common sight among the genre that they make. And I can already imagine the arguments of, oh, you're only saying they're good because etc., etc. 
they're just really good, full stop. The fact that they represent people who have not really been represented in that side of things. I want to say it's an added bonus, but I also don't want to dismiss the fact that they are there are black women in the in a pop punk band who deserve to be huge. I don't really know where I'm going with this. I don't really arrive at answers on this podcast. It doesn't help that I record them all in one take. If I recorded numerous takes or stitched it together, I'd have... <laughs> How's that for going full circle on this episode? I started with wanting to try and find a nice final sentence for yesterday's episode, and now I have failed to find a nice final sentence for today's episode. Maybe I'll forever keep rolling where tune in to tomorrow's episode where I come up with a nice, neat conclusion to this episode. Okay, 20 minutes, that's long enough. Any other debut albums that I missed? This is all from memory, so there's bound to be some blatant omissions. Like I said, Barty Strange is one I missed out right here on the episode. If you have any suggestions, throw them my way. You know where to find me online. Just search for Saddest Night Out. Otherwise, I think I've covered everything in my notes. Thank you all very much for listening, and I'll catch you. Oh, yeah, the desktop version of Spotify doesn't seem to tell you the date that something was released, but the mobile version does. On desktop, it'll tell you the year. On mobile, it'll tell you the date. For instance, Meet Me at the Altar's Song Garden came out on the 9th of October. Oh, I just ruined the ending. This is going to... You know what? Thank you for listening. I'll catch you on tomorrow's episode. Take care.